0: Hello and welcome to Minisode 138 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I am Andy Stewart. Hello, how are you, Mitchell? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm not bad. I'm not bad, thanks. Please to hear it. Uh, for date snap purposes, coming at you at 11am on Sunday. Yes, that's correct. Uh, how has your weekend and indeed your week been?
1: Oh, to be honest, Mitch, it's been pretty quiet. I'm just keeping my head down now and flying under the radar.
0: I must admit, doing much the same myself. Yeah. Um, the, I guess the biggest thing uh, this week was um, a ghost awaits coming out on Monday.
1: Yes, congratulations. I've seen a, a, a lot of positive feedback on that.
0: People have been very nice. Yeah, uh, so uh, thanks to everybody for that. But that kind of that took up Monday and Tuesday for me in terms of just kind of what I was doing when I wasn't working. And then it, I think it was like late Tuesday night before I actually sat down and watched it on the Arrow Player.
1: Yeah, by the way, if anyone's got the Arrow Player... Uh, you can see a special feature of Mitch did a wee interview.
0: Uh-huh, complete with, uh <laughs> complete with tinsel in the background. <laughs> Yeah, not very time- festive, very festive. To- who, would have, who would
1: have known that you recorded it in August?
0: Not to, to timestamp myself at all, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, yeah. Like, it's
1: like uh, the, the way they record the Annie in the summer.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's out there um, uh, on the other player, yes. But yeah, after that, I was much the same, kind of keeping my head down when I wasn't working, keeping myself to myself, keeping a low profile, because it's always the ones you least suspect.
1: <laughs> exactly that, yeah.
0: Uh, viewing wise, what have you been up to?
1: I got my hands on a couple of things, new releases, home entertainment stuff, which I'll start with. Okay. First up, Beyond Reanimator. If you're listening on release day, it's out today. You can hold it in your hands from Arrow Video. Yeah, the third in the Reanimator series. Uh, This one sees Herbert West incarcerated... Everything about it is Spanish, right? It was filmed in Spain. Most of the actors are Spanish. So, I mean, he's not supposed to be incarcerated in Spain, but it kind of feels like it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's it's like shouting at a guy in a a sombrero or a poncho, being (laughs) like, I will break out of this Delaware prison.
1: (laughs) But it's, uh, yeah, it's very, very gory. Screaming mad George doing some incredible effects stuff in here. Yeah, I really like Beyond Reanimator. I don't feel like it gets kind of mentioned in the same breath at all as reanimator or bride the reanimator and the only real reason i can see for that is that it doesn't have bruce abbott in it again but but yeah it's uh, it's really great fun again good package from arrow that's it's worth picking up yeah you can get it now and you can watch it now if you have the arrow player on a perhaps less enjoyable note right uh, I picked up Second Sight's release of Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale.
0: Uh, yeah, enjoyable is not the word for this one. Very good film, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I saw this at Celluloid Screams a yeah. couple of years back, and yeah. So, obviously, the follow-up to The Babadook. Liked this quite a bit. Well, thought it was a great film. Uh, A lot of walkouts in this one, and I am not going to sit here and judge anyone for that.
1: No, 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 not at all. I think as well, saying it's a follow-up to The Babadook, that's only because it's coming from the same director. They couldn't be any different tonally.
0: Yes, this does not exist in the same universe. No, no, no.
1: Uh, What we have here is an Irish convict in Tasmania sets off in a kind of revenge mission with a young Aborigine guy to get revenge on the soldiers who just did terrible things to her.
0: Sure, yes, aha, uh-huh, aha. Uh-huh. Well, depicted very unflinchingly in the kind of first half hour or so of the film.
1: Mm, that, that kind of pivotal scene early on is truly horrifying to
0: watch for many,
1: many reasons.
0: Aha, uh-huh. yeah, it's, it's really, really audible. Um, Definitely, It's one of the toughest things to watch that I've ever seen in the cinema, I think.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't get any easier, really, after the, the fact. It's pretty unflinching across the two hours and 17 minutes or whatever it is.
0: Aha, uh-huh. yeah, because yeah, yeah, it's a fair length as well, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah, but I, I, I've got to say, it's an excellent film, but that is a qualified recommendation for sure.
0: Aye, absolutely, yeah, I... I... Oh, this is a rewatch. I think, although I don't really want to watch it again, Mm -hmm. Um, because I remember when I saw it at Cell, I watched it, and I got to the end of it, and I was like, I thought that was great, but I've got some questions about how it actually plays out, Mm -hmm. and I kind of want to revisit it to kind of gather my thoughts on that a little bit, but I also desperately don't want to revisit it. Yeah, yeah,
1: I don't think, even though I now own it, I really don't think it's something that I'm going to go back to that often.
0: Uh, I would imagine so. No, it's 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 not like a it's not like a pizza and beers film.
1: No, I would suggest probably for my own sanity that I don't really dip into it that often. a slight disappointment that it doesn't have a director's commentary on it, though, because I would have liked to have dug into the the kind of technical side of it a little bit more.
0: I was just about to ask actually what the package was like.
1: Uh, yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, we've got interviews with the lead act- actress, Ashlyn Frankiosi. We've got video essays. We've got interviews with production designers. We've got interviews with editors, all manner of stuff in here. But I would have liked to dig into it a little deeper, I think, just uh, to get my kind of ducks in a row.
0: Sure, yeah, no, I I can understand that for sure.
1: By the way, I've got to say, Second Sight doing some great stuff just now with female director-led genre films. Obviously, fairly recently, they re-released Revenge.
0: Yeah, uh uh-huh, saw that, yep.
1: Now the Nightingale, and pretty soon, Raw.
0: Yeah, which uh, I think we both uh, pre-ordered yesterday.
1: Yeah, we did, yeah. I think we both snapped that up as soon as it went up for pre-order.
0: Yeah, aha. Uh-huh. No, I, I jumped on that. So, yeah, maybe we can talk about that in a little bit of detail in a couple of months when that uh, sees later day.
1: Yeah, also, I, I don't want to keep banging this drum, but mm-hmm. again, if you're listening on release date, Possessor is available in the UK to, to buy and to own on Blu-ray. And you should. Anything else, then? One other thing, but I think it's a crossover, actually.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, I don't think that we can always feign complete surprise at what we are have been watching week to week because we did text each other basically every hour of every day so <laughs> um, so we did kind of uh spot some overlap this week yes we did yeah.
1: because we went on to amazon prime and both rented brian duffield's spontaneous
0: yeah now this hadn't gone completely under my radar but mm-hmm. i did i knew it was out there but i had spotted i think it was dave mckendry Oh, yeah. put mm-hmm. something up uh, on, I think it was Twitter, saying that he'd watched it and thought it was great. And also, a um, old pal, Mitch Harrod, who I kind of am quite happy to use as a market quality if he recommends something to me these days, had also said it was great. Um, and I completely, by chance, just stumbled on it on a Amazon video, so I gave it a rental this week.
1: Yeah. Who wants to do a uh, kind of brief synopsis on this?
0: Uh, you can take this.
1: <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, so, really, it's a story of a girl called Mara, played by Catherine Langford, who was in Knives Out. By the way, sad to see Christopher Plummer died the other day.
0: Yeah, aha. Uh-huh. I um, I marked that by watching my favourite Christopher Plummer film, which is at uh, Danny Collins. I
1: thought you were going to say Dragnet.
0: Nope, nope. Danny Collins all the way for me.
1: <laughs> and it's a story of this small town school where pupils start just blowing up. Yeah. And what we have after that is this kind of coming age love story, while all the kind of kids in the school tr- struggle to kind of deal with the fact that they're. Pretty much consistently losing classmates and friends to this exploding epidemic that's going around, and the kind of attempts to stop that.
0: Yeah, it's um very splattery without being particularly gory. I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, the, like there's there's loads of just people getting buckets of blood thrown on them. Like there's a bit where there's like loads of explosions happening in the school. And there's a moment where they're like running downstairs, and someone definitely just tips a bucket of blood over a banister onto the top of them.
0: Yeah, there's a lot less like entrails all over the wall in this, and a lot more blood splattering on shocked faces.
1: Yeah, it seems to be more liquid than substance
0: yeah i would say that's fair i thought this was pretty interesting and i think that like and it's quite a kind of interesting allegory for this kind of prevailing belief amongst some young people that people in authority don't care about them yeah Mm -hmm. and things like that and i think that that stuff is handled really well and i think one of the reasons that i kind of backed off from watching this in the first instance was that i was like i don't care if it's a pandemic of people exploding i still don't want to watch things about outbreaks of anything okay um but um uh, eventually i was just like i'm just going to try this and i don't know i think that it is weird watching kind of like people getting very angry about government and institutional mishandling of things <laughs> and stuff like that yeah. feels kind of prescient in a way that didn't beat me to death with the fact that there's a real one outside mm-hmm. i yeah i thought this was fun um i i liked it quite a bit two very likable leads as well. Mm-hmm. And actually,
1: I think their relationship's really quite lovely.
0: Yeah, the film does the work in that regard.
1: Yeah, and I actually think the ending's quite inspiring.
0: Yeah, um, it kind of felt like a more positive, but equally kind of defiant um, equivalent to the way that I felt about the ending of Assassination Nation.
1: Oh, aye. mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Uh very cool. Yeah, I like that quite a bit. Also, just like I thought this was quite interesting that uh this is directed by Brian Duffield, mm-hmm. who generally up to now has written rather than directed. But also has like written things that have gone on to be like kind of troubled or disliked productions. Like he wrote Divergent, uh the Divergent series Insurgent. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's this kind of prevailing I've read a couple of things about kind of like by the time that, that franchise was wrapping up, a lot of the people involved in it were just kind of willing it to be over. <laughs> Um, And also, um, he also wrote Jane Got a Gun, which was the Natalie Portman produced film that jumped through crew and turned over people kind of like directors and things like that. So it's interesting that this kind of like history of troubled productions from a writer's angle um, that his directorial debut is this thing that is very complete, very neat, very fun. Uh, yeah, I like this quite a bit. Is that the conclusion of your viewing?
1: Pretty movie? much. By the way, just to wrap up my thoughts on Spontaneous, I absolutely loved this. I think this would have made its way into my top 10 had I seen it before we recorded that.
0: Really? As good as that?
1: Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant.
0: <laughs> it's interesting because you've said that about at least one other film that you've watched since that is coming to shadow pretty soon. Um, I jumped back a little bit Oh. Um, for something that I've been meaning to do for a little while. And when I say for a little while, I mean all the way back from when uh, Mike Munster joined us for an episode on Urban Legends. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I back-to-backed Urban Legends Final Cut and Bloody Mary <laughs> <laughs> this week. <laughs> How
1: did that work out for you?
0: Nay, great. So um, <laughs> so Urban Legends Final Cut is obviously uh, set at a film school. Mm-hmm. And has kind of a little bit of a meta commentary going on, kind of when they're all making their student films about urban legends and then a killer re emerges. Co written by Scott Derrickson. Yeah, absolutely. It mm. obviously went on to do like Deliver Us from Evil Sinister, Doctor Strange, and things like that. I didn't much care for this, but it was better than Bloody Mary. But like, I think that also it smacked very heavily of fresh out of film school, write about what you know, give us an urban legend sequel, what if it's set at film school? okay you know what i mean and i found that quite tiresome uh sure. there's a part where someone dies like one of the students dies and someone while giving like eulogizing about the student at a press conference is like truffo once asked is film more important than life and i almost screamed at my laptop at that point <laughs> i was just like we get it you watch a lot of films
1: by the way if a uh- if anyone's interested in anything after Urban Legend, you'll be able to get them all fairly soon, because I think 88 Films is putting them out.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. which means that that package will also include uh, Urban Legend's Bloody Mary, which is the only one in the trilogy to include a supernatural element, most notably the spirit of a vengeful student called Mary who was murdered in the 60s.
1: Yeah, but not as fun as Prom Night to Hello Mary Lou.
0: Far from it. Both Mara sisters in this. Mm, yeah, Kate in a kind of main role, and uh, Rooney as classroom girl number one. <laughs> uh, this was co-written by Michael Doherty mm-hmm. uh, who obviously went on to do again things like Trick or Treat, Krampus, and Godzilla: King of the Monsters.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, which I, I just I find these things quite interesting. I didn't much care for this. I thought that it was probably trying harder to have fun, but I didn't have very much fun with it. Right. Um, I would say also like a Verotica level CGI spider. <laughs> In there, um, I think
1: you could give Veronica more credit than that in this instance. I didn't.
0: I didn't think that. Uh, I didn't think that this was a great time. But I would say that there's there's room to praise it for trying to do something a little bit different and widen the mythos of the whole thing. But it didn't work for me. But I rented that. It's quite It's weirdly hard to get hold of. But I rented it on YouTube.
1: But weirdly directed as well by Mary Lambert, who directed Pet Cemetery.
0: Yes, I did notice that. Yeah, very, very strange combination of elements going on there. My final piece of viewing for the week was uh, Bad Samaritan. Now, this is another festival blind spot, one that I'd missed and uh, I'd spotted that it was on Amazon Prime. So this is from Dean Devlin, and it stars David Tennant, who I think basically everyone knows, but he's Doctor Who, or was, amongst other things. Never also, have Yeah, okay, cool, you're aware of his work. No. Um Robert Sheehan also in here from uh, Fortitude, Love Hate, Umbrella Academy, things like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So what you have here is Robert Sheehan and his pal play these two valets at a fancy restaurant. Okay. When the cars are being valeted, they basically set the GPS to home, find out where they live, and rob them. Okay. Now I, I, I get this, this is fine. This is what happened in the film Hangman for the person to find their house. I think mm-hmm. this is quite a clever conceit. However, not for an ongoing crime racket. <laughs> Okay. But yeah, like ignoring my kind of logic queries about that and just kind of getting on the train, what happens here is that David Tennant turns up at this restaurant and he is this kind of like reasonable American accent going on here, by the way. But he's kind of like this very much outward kind of like wealthy arsehole. Okay who, like, turns up and is immediately cartoonishly dickish to all the little people and is very precious about his very fancy car. And we're all very aware that David Tennant is a dickhead that we're not supposed to like. Robert Sheehan goes back to his house as part of this kind of racket, and in there he finds um, a hostage chained up in the attic or in a room in the house. And it's basically about him trying to figure out how it's safer and figuring out what's going on with David Tennant's character. Now, this just about works for a while. Um, I think that, like, as he's kind of investigating and kind of snooping around, I think that that stuff works okay. I think that Robert Sheehan is quite a good actor in general, uh-huh. and yeah, I think that he is—he's fine here. I think that David Tennant is as well. But as this film kind of like as it starts to unravel, David Tennant gets savvy to the, to the fact that Robert Sheehan's kind of on to him. Right, and I'm getting the impression this is more of a directorial choice than an actor choice. But like, because when David Tennant plays Sinister in this, it's pitched quite nicely for quite a lot of the time. But I
1: think, I think David Tennant does Sinister quite well. I, I don't know if anyone caught Des on ITV a while ago when he played Dennis Nielsen. It was yeah, people brilliant. loved that.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, but like, it kind of feels like in the third act of this, it's like you know, like somebody puts their fingers on four faders on a mixing desk that are all marked hysteria and just put them all, like, shove them all over the top. Because he just because he just becomes a screeching maniac, right? <laughs> for the for the later part of this, and, the, and there's just the, like exhausting, terrible, awful, laborious hunt and chase thing that takes forever. And this is, like, a long-ish film. It comes in at, like, oh, 1 hour 53, and it's very flabby. I think that it's a shame because it's, like, it's a smart idea, I think, or at least it's like, it's a, it's an idea that there's room to have fun with. And it does manage to do that for a little while, but it peters out almost unbelievably as it goes on. Like, as this actually needs to resolve itself, it really runs out of steam. And I think that the thing that annoys me about it as well is that, and not to get too spoilery, but if you do intend on watching this, skip ahead, like, 30 seconds. But, like, I think that it has the opportunity to have a really nihilistic, mean ending and i think that tonally that would have fit better and it pulls that punch and it's just like i i am just increasingly fed up of that like you know like people who are criminal masterminds but they're too stupid to double tap to make sure a person's dead and stuff like that it's just like i kind of feel like it pulls the rug out from under so much stuff when you see somebody be so meticulous in doing so many things and then slipping up in really stupid fundamental ways yeah i think that this film wimps out on being as nasty as it should have been. Okay, but if you prefer things that are slightly less nasty and you like the sound of the uh, you like the sound of the conceit, then uh, Bad Samaritan is on Amazon Prime in the UK right now. And if you want to go check that out, it's there.
1: But uh, yeah, of all the stuff I've watched this week, I would say watch Spontaneous.
0: But, yeah, actually, yeah, I want to just kind of echo what you said about that. I thought Spontaneous was superb. I don't know if I, I probably can't count it in my 2021 list, but it probably it might have been in one of my tens as well.
1: Oh, lovely. Around. so yeah nature goes wild last week Mitch I think it's fair to say was a low point yes no was that the jungle it was the jungle yeah uh, a film that left my mind almost immediately so I went on Amazon Prime and I watched the Indian film Jallikattu. Okay, I I know nothing about this. You know nothing about this at all, right? Cool. So what we have here is a kind of small town where the local butcher is preparing for this kind of ritual slaughter of this bull buffalo, and the buffalo gets loose and essentially runs amok among the villagers and the villagers all kind of try to band together to bring it down they can't just shoot it because that's not allowed uh, okay. so it's really th- th- them trying to wrangle this giant mad angry buffalo
0: okay okay uh how long ago are we talking here um very recently i think it was
1: 2019 or 2020. Uh, it was also India's like official Academy Awards entry.
0: Right, okay, so you're very much going to the other end of the quality spectrum here by the sounds of it then. Yeah,
1: what I want to say about this is this is absolutely brilliant. Yeah? I thought this was great. Like this, The animal stuff in it isn't really as front and centre as it is in some of the other things I've done. Yes, nature is going wild because we have a very angry bull.
0: Yes, of course, yeah.
1: But it's a lot more about the kind of politics of the people in this town and all that kind of comes to the forefront. The bull's almost secondary to an extent.
0: I was going to say, this sounds like it's a lot more about kind of like small-time bureaucracy and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: but it's absolutely brilliant. It's occasionally pretty funny. I would suggest that if you are a vegetarian or a vegan or if you're kind of sensitive to stuff like animal cruelty, you may not want to watch this. I'm not entirely convinced it's all real animal cruelty. In fact, I would wager a lot of it isn't, but it's very heavily implied. Uh, a lot of the time, and there is a lot of stuff in this where you you see meat being chopped up pretty graphically. So I would urge caution if that's something that triggers you a little bit.
0: That's a that's a, that's a good thing to flag up. I would yeah. Say. But I thought, uh, big hit for you though, by the sense of it, Jalakati.
1: Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Actually, I thought it was really really great. But uh, that's available on Amazon Prime just now. It's available on Amazon Prime in four K as well, so you can watch it in whatever format you like. And I can't recommend you do that enough. It's really good fantastic
0: so feedback the time then and a fair few people getting in touch unsurprisingly this week to talk chopping mall uh we did finally cover chopping mall after having come very close to doing it a few times before and we did it with the aid of criminal audition director samuel gridley so big thanks to sam for stopping by and doing that with us that was a really fun time it was great chat
1: yeah i had a, had a great time and we talked about it in the episode, but Sam's list was really, really strong. And it would be great to have him come back and do some of the other films that were on that list, but this was certainly the one that I was hoping he would choose.
0: Yeah, I think that um, I think that the fact that Criminal Audition is a good film, Sam is a nice guy, and his list is really good, means that he kind of has to come back. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Holy Trinity. A couple of people getting in touch to uh, say that they were surprised that it had taken this long to get to it. Again, of course, that is entirely at the discretion of the guests. But uh, BK, Boris underscore daddy saying, kind of amazed you guys have haven't already covered this one. A stone-cold classic.
1: Um, you're not going to hear any argument from me on that point.
0: Yeah, I had a message from uh, Kian O'Brien saying the same thing as well.
1: Yeah, I have Alison Garcia uh, getting in touch to say, believe it or not, my boot club is doing a watch-along of Chopping Mall, which <laughs> she, uh, that, uh, certainly at the point this tweet was sent, she hadn't yet seen. Okay. So your timing's impeccable. I will try to recruit some old chuds. Firstly, thank you for that. Spread the word, please. Yes, um, get out there. Secondly, if you have now watched Chopping Mall, I would be really keen to know your thoughts.
0: Absolutely, of course. We always want to know these things. Also Laura Binin, Binin L V. Getting mm-hmm. in touch. And kind of back in the game this week, Laura saying, nice to hear of the eating Raoul bit in Chopping Mall. I think I've seen it, but very far back. We'll get back to this tonight. I think uh, Laura did like the film, but uh, yeah, interesting that she mentions uh, Sam's spot of this kind of cross-universe from the characters from Eating Raoul, which I might go and watch if I can get hold of it. Yeah, 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 me too. Have you get anything else in Chopping Mall before we move on?
1: Yeah, Dan Popomatic got in touch to say that in the case of Chopping Mall, we're covering one that he's already seen for the first time in ages. Uh, I feel that any criticism you can level at it can be countered with, yeah, but Barbara Crampton, though. Uh, that, and it's a lot of fun. Again, you'll hear no argument from me. I wear my love of Barbara Crampton on my sleeve, and I uh,
0: firmly credit
1: Reanimator and seeing Reanimator too young for that.
0: Okay, yeah, probably, yeah. I think that's probably enough to do that to anybody, to be honest. <laughs>
1: Anything chopping more? Yeah, I've got one more thing, Hanny at Hannie underscore Ray just saying, The robot fountain is genius. When I become a millionaire, <laughs> I'm going to install one in my ornate garden. Uh, that was in relation <laughs> to us talking about the massive settlement that will surely be coming from Securetronics, the company that created these protector robots. And uh, we kind of speculated in the episode that perhaps our heroes, should they remain together, or presumably they'll, they'll, they'll split this massive amount of money that will surely be coming their way, mm. and, and that they may in fact install a large waterfall in the shape of a protector robot on the grounds of their palatial manor houses.
0: Yeah, kind of like in the, in the style of putting like a deer's head above your fireplace. That's it. To yeah. warm
1: any deer that might saunter by.
0: Exactly. Um... Moving away from Chopin though, and onwards to Body Melt, and a couple of people got in touch to chastise me for my poor decision making, which I can understand. Dr. Lauren McIntyre nodding goth on Twitter. Mitch, why would you eat your dinner while watching a film that Andy chose for you? Have you learned nothing? Particularly a film called Body Melt. Very poor decision.
1: Yeah, it's right there in the title. And anyone who knows me and knows the kind of things that I generally choose when it falls to us to do one of those episodes knows that that's stupid of you. Someone coming down on the same line as Lauren there as Bill Carr at. Bill Carr with uh, many r's there Uh, I love the image of who else but Mitch sitting down with his dinner to watch Body Melt Uh,
0: yeah your naivety knows no bounds Mitch it really truly doesn't I must say (laughs) Yeah, I never learn. Uh, Similarly, Sam Ashurst, uh, who had previously gotten in touch to talk of his excitement about listening to me kind of like gurn my way through this, uh, we had asked um, why we hadn't heard from him since then, and he said, just to respond to the shout-out, you're right, you didn't hear back from me, mainly because Mitch sounded so broken on the body melt episode it felt a bit cruel. I know my Garbage Pail Kid name is C Sam, but I'm not a monster. Get well soon, Mitch. Sam, appreciate the kind words. I'm on the road to recovery. I expect to be roughly back to normal in a couple of weeks got to say, I still
1: find the Garbage peel Kids infinitely more disgusting than Body Milk.
0: Well, that makes one of you. <laughs> I want to say a little O'Brien very quickly on uh, Twitter who was suggesting that Netflix has found the natural culmination of your Nature Gone Wild side quest. Right. Because on the 16th of February, arriving on Netflix is uh, Animals on the Loose, a You Versus the Wild movie. What's uh, this? The synopsis for this is: when wild animals escape from a sanctuary, bear grills, and you must pursue them and secure their protective habitat. An interactive special.
1: An interactive special with me and bear grills. Yes. I, I, I was unaware that me and bear grills were doing this.
0: I think that it would be amazing if we could figure out some kind of like Twitch-style stream of you doing that.
1: Wow,
0: I've got to say, like that—that that sounds dangerous. <laughs> Andy, I would trust you with many things, Uh, securing the protective habitat of dangerous wildlife is not amongst the top ten.
1: Well, Mitch, I'm a constant surprise. This is
0: very true. Why do you think I've been keeping my head down? Ah, prepping. Prepping, that's it. Your whole Nature's Gone well. career's been building to this moment. You got anything else before we wrap up?
1: (laughs) Yeah, one more thing coming in from Turnstyle Blues, at Sugar Ape, on Twitter, just saying Did you tell us to watch Host, or am I confused? Mixed reviews, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Haven't seen as many effective jump scares in a movie in a long time. Under an hour or two, perfect. Reminded me of Ghostwatch. Uh, Yes, we did tell you to watch Host, because both me and Mitch enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. We also had host producer Jed Shepard on the show a while back, talking about Teen Witch, one of my favourite episodes of last year. It was great. So yeah, can't recommend Host enough. I haven't really seen a lot of dissenting voices on Host, so I'd be curious to know where those reviews
0: came from. I was thinking the same thing, actually. Yeah. It is, once again, time for Mitch's Pitches. Now, Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment, and we sure do. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It'll be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will have, in advance, photoshopped out the title <laughs> and the tagline and left only the image. It will fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and give it a title and a synopsis based solely on that image. We'll put it out everywhere on the social media channel so you guys can join in as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week's pitch, it was the anthology film Tales That Witness Madness, uh, reappropriated by me as Fruit Sally, no entree, no escape. Great
1: title. Not so keen on the part after the colon.
0: Ah, okay. It's it's, uh, it's very, very stupid. Yes. Fair few people getting in touch this week. I want to say hello to C.P. Buckley, who got in touch on Instagram with a full three-act treatment for a film. I fucking saw this. Like, that,
1: <laughs> that was a lot of work, and it's almost sad to say that we're not going to read it out, because it was it's, way too long.
0: It's monstrously long. Uh, it's v- very, very creative. I would have blown everybody to get over on Instagram and check it out, but it's kind of like it's horror fiction podcast territory. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, that's going to take like four minutes to read or something like that. Like,
0: <laughs> it's, it's quite long. Big thanks to CP, though. Also, uh, Cosmic Ray Girl, Anna is famous for fisting and frolicking with fruit. However, in the latest visit to the greengrocer, she gets thrown out for gagging on a grapefruit. Heads will roll in this 1996 film, Ban Anna.
1: Right, okay, got you, got you. Always very sexual.
0: Yes, overtly so. Canel uh, Kolak on Twitter, necrophiliac greengrocer Sean Shifty Plumsvelt goes in a (laughs) GMO-free murderous root vegetable rampage in 1983's Fruit to Kill. Wow. That's very strong, in my opinion. Uh, Hany underscore Ray on Twitter. Apple Sauce, a socialite influencer known for her Sweet Apple brand, is thrilled to be invited to an exclusive dinner at the mansion of a millionaire recluse. Unfortunately, she misread the invite, and it looks like she is actually the dessert course. It's Sweet Apple Dye. Oh! Laura Bynum. We have legendary news anchor Fiona Puce has to fight off a revolution (laughs) by angry fruit farmers in the 2021 reboot of Gardner's Question Time. (laughs) Kevin Matthews, uh, stepping up here. Uh, there are some definite grapes of wrath hanging around when Troy McClure <laughs> decides to kill off his spouse and hide her in full view of some dinner party guests of the 1981 film A Platter of Wife and Death. Oh, I like that. I think that that is outstanding, I have to say. Mark Logan, Joan Collins may be the bitch, but she can get knotted while her husband gets wood and a taste for something less plain and more deciduous in the bedroom department. It's the infamous 70s laughter and shock fest. Sorry, Joan, I'm poking the oak tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exodando on Instagram platter. I hardly know her. All right, yeah. And uh, finally, James Rodriguez with her husband bringing a movie star home for dinner. Noted prankster D. Cappy Tate decides to pose as the main course. our hopes are for a scare and a laugh, but the tables are turned when it turns out the movie star is Army Hammer. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Join us for the 1986 cannibal comedy. Guess who's coming to eat you for dinner? <laughs> That's <laughs> your lot for this week? Uh, I'm going to give the best pitch
1: to James Rodriguez for keeping it topical.
0: Okay, very good. Yeah, nice.
1: And I think I'm going to give the best character name to Laura Bynan for Fiona Puce, because I think that the word Puce and the colour Puce, in fact, are inherently funny.
0: Excellent. Good. So, James and Laura, you are this week's winners. Whole big batch and nothing on its way to you. Congratulations. So, what you got for me? Uh Ready. Oh my god! Yes. Okay. Fine. Let's do it. Uh, there you go. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, a busy one. This one, I would say. Yeah,
1: there's some there's some bits and bobs for you to dig into here. Absolutely. Background is white,
0: no border. Correct. In the, I I I think it's fair to say that like the center point of the image is a skull. Yes. Just regular garden variety skull with two teeth missing. A couple of teeth missing. My dental knowledge is not such. I've forgotten what they're called. But a couple of teeth missing. One from the top row, one from the bottom. Good, I'm sure
1: Dr. Lauren McIntyre will weigh in on this and just uh, put you right.
0: I get the impression this is also will not be the most taxing piece of uh, trivia that she's ever had to impart.
1: Yeah, I would also like to know the accuracy of this head because it has an extremely wide jaw. Is
0: it? it is, yeah. yeah. Ah, yeah. You're quite right there. But um. yeah, it seems to be shooting streams of bright lights from its eyes. Okay, yes three from each eye. So, uh, the image around it is now being kind of split into seven pieces. Okay. Well, I guess six, I guess six. Yeah, one um, piece
1: really has nothing going on, which feels like a bit... It kind of feels lazy, given the content of the rest of the segments.
0: Yeah, it does kind of make uh, the skull look like it is wearing like a quite fancy Egyptian headdress. I kind of like that about the image, though. It's cool, yeah, I like it. Um, but there are... so there's basically six kind of like main frames Uh that are kind of branching off from this which I will do in a clockwise fashion from bottom left. So we have a man in a white shirt and (laughs) black trousers being beaten over the head with what looks like a candlestick uh, from a man in a black suit with uh, what looks like black or brown hair mm-hmm. next to that we have a woman, a woman standing in front of a cracked mirror in a red dress she has black hair, it looks like she is of the Caucasian persuasion, she's in a state of some distress and with good reason a skull is flying at her <laughs> just like directly for her, I can like it looks like from the kind of motion lines, Sure, yeah. it looks like it's in flight as opposed to like levitating we have um, a ghoulish looking man, almost like vampiric looking in one of them, uh, looks like he's being boiled alive in, a, in some kind of bubbling green and yellow liquid. Um, he looks horrified as a woman in the red dress who may be the same woman in the red dress from the previous image looks on in horror and, again, the proceedings are being overseen by a malevolent skull. Right. Um, okay, so then you've got the one that's kind of empty then after that we have a kind of, like, older Tom Hiddleston-looking man. <laughs> in a kind of uh, burgundy-coloured blazer or kind of like sports coat or maybe even just kind of like a dressing gown. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, I would say
1: by the patterning on the, I guess, his left arm, it looks to me like some kind of Like a smoking jacket or something like that? smoking
0: jacket was the term I was digging for. Yes, that's the one. He's holding a bladed weapon in his hand. Uh, He's clapped a hand over the mouth of a distressed woman with brown hair, wearing a yellow hairband and what appears to be a red top or dress. Can't tell because you can only see her from kind of like in profile. Mm Mm-hmm. In the next one round we have um what looks like a man in a brightly colored suit falling to his death it looks like he has been pushed through a pane of glass from a high height over a Mm bannister and we have a distressed man lying on his back uh with what looks like papers flying in all directions um as he is again attacked by what appears to be the same flying skull from uh image 1b
1: (laughs) okay okay
0: okay so uh there you go um skull in the center of the image and kind of surrounded by a montage of deaths either carried out by human perpetrators or a disembodied floating skull okay um okay i'll need a moment sure sure yeah
1: Now, it's funny that you mentioned Tom Hiddleston there, because actually on this poster, and I, I believe it's supposed to be the man in the purple jacket, is uh, played by Peter Cushing. Now, the more I think about it, the more I think that Tom Hiddleston would be the perfect man to play younger Peter Cushing in just about anything.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that that's that's, that's fair, Yeah. Um, mm. So yeah, so me saying older Tom Hiddleston can kind attract of you there.
1: I think it does. Yeah, I think it it, it makes sense because there's definitely a Hiddlestony look to that image there. Yeah, now that you're, now that you're mentioning it, I'm just yeah, Tom. Let's get in touch, man. I'm gonna remake some old uh, some old films and uh, just get you to play Peter Cushing in them all.
0: Get it done. However, on the subject of this one, um, I think I have something. Okay. And by that I mean I have something. And it's really, really stupid. I would expect nothing less. Six horror-hungry friends... Oh, by the way, I want to preface this by saying that I have got the year very wrong uh, because I need to do something to make it consistent with the technology of the time.
1: Right, oh God.
0: Six horror-hungry friends gather in an abandoned castle to explore the building's sinister recent history. Mm -hmm. The manor once belonged to noted philanthropist and potato chip magnate Chris P. Goods. However, Good's altruistic public persona masked the visage of a bloodthirsty, money-hungry tyrant who would stop at nothing to eliminate his competition in love, life and work. After killing three people on the grounds of the house, alternately by pushing a business rival over a banister, slashing the throat of a spurned lover with a letter opener and clubbing a belligerent cleaner to death with a candelabra, he was ultimately held accountable for his crimes and inexplicably flayed alive and left for dead. As the festivities begin and their six heroes get comfortable for the night, what they don't know is that Good survived the attack and returned to the castle years earlier, plotting his revenge on trespassers as a conniving, perpetually chilly skinless husk as the group are picked off one by one in increasingly inventive ways it's up to group leader and true crime podcaster Drayton Review to send the tyrant to hell once and for all experience the film The Guardian called a clinical, brutal reimagining of Nicholas Sparks's Knights in Rodante it's 2006's throwback chamber piece Goods Returned, The Crisp Touch of Death wow <laughs> yes 2006 uh, <2006? laughs> I had to at least. I had to. Uh, I had to be older than the broad notion of podcasting, and also the Nicholas Sparks novel *Nights in Red and For that to work, so uh, yes, two thousand and six.
1: I'm not sure you've ever swung wilder than this. Okay, because the year was nineteen sixty-five.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Forty-one years out. Okay. Yeah, well done. <laughs>
1: <Lovely>. <laughs> and we're sticking with Amicus Productions and we're sticking with Freddie Francis. I was actually going to do this one last week, but then I thought, no, we'll bank it. We'll make it an Amicus doubler. Okay.
0: Good. It's the yeah, skull. Yeah. The skull. Okay. What I, 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 I'm assuming is a very appropriate title, judging by the amount of skulls that are on the poster. Mm. Uh, what is this about and who's synopsisizing? We're on IMDb again. Okay. The cool.
1: synopsisizer is Matthias Thurisson and the synopsis is as follows. All right. A collector of esoterica, Dr. Maitland buys an unusual skull from his ordinary source of artefacts. The skull is what remains of the Marquis de Sade. Much too soon he discovers how the skull affects him, by turning him into a frenzied killer.
0: <laughs> and that's Oh, no, is that it? Okay. That's your okay. lot. Yeah. Uh, um, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Cool. Okay. Uh, that image is everywhere. If you want to get in touch, and potentially be in with a shout of being winners like Laura and James, then uh, check it out. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's Get all over it. those places. Yeah, Stream of platforms. Then for this week, February eighth to February fourteenth. Uh, by the way, as of like next week, I'm going to try and add the Ado Player to this. Oh, cool! Well done. Um, just to, to just to try and kind of like stay on top of what's coming out there as well. Amazon um, Prime, then nothing new in the way of films really that's notable for our purposes. But we do have new weekly episodes of American Gods, The Expanse, and if you have stars, play The Stand. Sky Cinema then on Thursday, Trick or Treat. Not that one. Not what one? Not the Michael Doherty one.
1: Or is it the one that we watched uh, with Mitch Harrod on the Soho Horror Film Festival?
0: Oh, it's also not that one. It's uh, from 2019. <laughs> right, okay. What what the hell's this? Uh, Greg's estranged brother Dan shows up saying he has run someone over while drunk. Oh. If I had a pound. The victim may be a gangster's son, but something more sinister has already been set in motion.
1: Got to say, this doesn't sound as fun as either of the films that we just mentioned called I Trick or would Treat. Be in-
0: I would be inclined to agree, but, you know, can always, I'm always open to being proven wrong mm-hmm. as well. Um, on Saturday the 13th, we've also got Becky coming to Sky Cinema, which I commented on on the show a few weeks back. That's right. Uh, yeah. Becky attempts to connect with her father, played by Joel McHale, on a weekend woodland getaway. But things take a turn for the worse, so the home is beset by criminals on the run, led by the ruthless Dominic, played by Kevin James. This is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, you said. Yeah. Yep, you could do a lot worse for Saturday Night Viewing than that. So, Netflix, reasonably full card this week. On Wednesday, we have got the limited series, season one of the True Crime limited series, Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Ooh. The notorious Cecil Hotel grows in infamy when guest Alisa Lamb vanishes from the creator of the Ted Bundy tapes. We have a dive into crime's darkest places.
1: This is a really cool story, actually.
0: Um, I don't know much about it, but I think I'll probably check it out. Uh, the, the title and the kind of just the general kind of uh, marketing for it and stuff like that is kind of peep my curiosity. I'm not a massive true crime guy, but I'll maybe check in on this, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Room 205 also on Wednesday after moving into a new dorm a co-ed begins to suspect that the ghost of a prior resident a student who was murdered is out for vengeance Mm -hmm. Uh, also got Bad Faith when a woman stumbles upon a serial killer's dying victim her mix of horror and fascination inspires her to moonlight as an amateur detective sure that'll turn out great Um, also got the Swedish production Appan Right. After he mysteriously wakes up one morning on the bathroom floor a Swedish driving instructor moves through a day that becomes increasingly surreal Kind of sounds like my thing, that I would say um, On Thursday on Netflix we've got Red Dot as well Trying to rekindle their marriage and with a child on the way a young couple on a ski trip suddenly find themselves stalked by remorseless killers
1: Red Dot That just reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where George buys a lane, a reduced jumper because it has a tiny red dot on it and that's basically the, the whole episode, is people noticing this tiny red dot on Elaine's jumper.
0: <laughs> Heading to Shudder, then. They have uh, no, no, like, premieres, no Shudder exclusives this week. A couple of cool ones coming in the weeks to come. Yeah. <laughs> However, on Monday, we have potentially the film that we have the biggest attachment to in terms of sheer quantity of guests. <laughs> oh, right, okay. It's Beyond the Gates. Oh, shit! <laughs> From director Jackson Stewart, in the wake of their father's mysterious disappearance, two estranged brothers, responsible Gordon and reckless John, reunite to sift through the contents of a stubbornly anachronistic VHS rental store. Among the infantry, they discover an interactive VCR board game, which is a portal to a nightmarish alternate reality. From this film, we have had, I believe, Jackson Stewart, Matt Mercer, Graham Skipper and Bria Grant.
1: Yeah, I think all we need to kind of round it out are Chase Williamson and Barbara Crampton.
0: Yep, I would. Uh, yep, uh, that would be kind of like I would be happy to consider that them and Jesse Merlin I know too. have got a full set. <laughs>
1: like, by the way, I've got to say I was extremely tickled. I don't know why by Reckless John.
0: <laughs> Can I give the best character name of the week to Reckless John? <laughs> Yeah, you can <laughs> Congratulations, Shudder Press guy. You win nothing. <laughs> um, and finally, also, we have got, again, another festival selection that I've kind of missed out on, Voice from the Stone. Verena, played by Amelia Clark, is a determined young nurse hired to help a mute young heir within an isolated castle in Tuscany. The more she observes the boy, the more she becomes convinced he's fallen under the spell of a powerful and otherworldly persona trapped in the villa's stone walls, one that seems to be rapidly entwining with her own. Now, that reads to me like the wall is entwining with her wall. Yeah. But uh, they, but they presumably mean the persona.
1: Yeah, I remember when this played. I think it was Fright Fest that it played, and I remember seeing like posters and stuff for it, and thinking it just looked like the
0: most bland thing. It kind of, I, I kind of felt it under the same thing as kind of the poster artwork for The Lodgers.
1: Right. Okay. Also, the tagline on the poster is "Silence is calling."
0: Oh, by its very nature, it isn't.
1: Yeah.
0: There you go. <laughs> That's your pick for this week, then, uh, from the streaming platforms for a pick. Decent amount of good stuff going on this week, actually. I would say probably either crime scene, the vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, or Beyond the Gates.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Beyond the Gates. I think.
0: Yeah, purely purely out of kind of like um, loyalty to our previous guests and the fact that we definitely know that it's good.
1: Yeah, and it's I think the only thing we've mentioned this week that I've seen.
0: Same for me, actually. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Now you say it, you're quite right. But, but you saw, sort of, you've seen Becky. You seen Becky. Right, oh, so I saw. Have turning our attentions though to this week's show, and we do have a guest this week once again. Yeah, we do. Yeah. She is the editor over at Den of Geek. It's Rosie Fletcher. Yeah, and I'm kind of excited about this,
1: to be honest. I think this is only the second film we've done by this director. And I would say it's infinitely worse than the first one that we did.
0: It's also been like more than 125 episodes since we last did something by this director as well.
1: Holy shit. And it's weird that this is coming around at this time, because I was actually reading some stuff lately about some films that are coming to... You know know, Disney Plus have got that... Star thing coming soon, where they're dropping like two hundred and fifty films, and it's like they're not all like Disney kids films. or
0: Yeah, it's basically like it's it's like the Disney Plus adults bit.
1: Yeah, and then I saw that this was one of the films that was actually on that massive list, and I I, I kind of filed it away to do it as an irredeemables on Patreon. <laughs> okay, interesting. But we're now doing it as a main episode with Rosie. We're going back to 2008 for M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening.
0: I love the fact that we did Chopping Wall last week and we're doing The Happening this week. Is there a a better summation of the show than that? Oh, my God. We are joined this week... By Rosie Fletcher, and we are talking the merits or otherwise of M Night Shyamalan's The Happening. How are you feeling about this? Get in touch with us and let us know. Facebook and Instagram are strong language, violent scenes. You can tweet us at strongviolentpc. You can email strong language violent scenes at gmail.com as well. And don't forget, you can also join the conversation on our Facebook group, The Chud Locker.
1: Yes, and should you want more of us, you will find us on
0: Patreon. We will be bringing stuff to your feeds this week also thanks to new patrons this week we will be thanking one of you very soon however we're back friday in the main feeds we are talking the happening with rosie fletcher join us then if you can in the meantime don't forget it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of goodbye bye hey guys just want to say a quick hello and thank you to a new patron this week oh Oh, yeah it's been
1: a wee while since we have done one of these so uh, yeah very true yeah, yeah we plug
0: it every week the, the uptake is not huge no
1: it's not no but we we absolutely love everyone who does dip into their own pockets to help us keep doing this
0: yes and uh the most recent addition to that list of very very good people catherine maser yes catherine coming away at us from the other side of the world thank you Catherine, really fun and enthusiastic contributor ever since she found us, really, so very cool. Yeah,
1: thank you so much, Catherine. Like, really, we we say it to every single person, but it, it means the world to us that you're willing to give of your own money, not just your time.
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And Catherine, hope you enjoy all the content that you've just uncovered and all the stuff that we've got coming your way as well. Amazing! Thanks a lot.
1: You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.